We continue our survey of the first 150 years of University of Arkansas history today with the story of something far older than the university, a fossil. Well, two fossils. Our guide again is Charlie Allison, the executive editor at University Relations at the U of A. Have you heard the story about the three students who discovered the world's largest fossil of an actorinoid nautiloid? You have. Which one? Because there are two stories that happened 40 years apart. I'll start with the one fresher in our memory. Back in the fall of 2002, a freshman named Sarah Key started out her freshman year as an accounting major. But by the end of the semester, she was reconsidering. Her geology class had piqued her interest. Switching her major to geology at the beginning of the spring semester in 2003, Key and another geology student, a senior named Kevin Morgan, drove about a mile and a half from campus to a drainage ditch near the interchange of what is now Interstate 49 and Martin Luther King Boulevard. They planned to spend the morning looking for fossils in the ditch, the bottom of which runs across a strata of rock known as the Fayetteville Shale. And before I go further, you should probably know that the Fayetteville Shale was named by a university professor, Frederick William Simons. Simons earned his bachelor's and master's degrees at Cornell and then taught at the University of North Carolina while completing his doctoral degree. In 1887, he became a professor of biology and geology at the University of Arkansas. He also assisted in the geological survey of the state, starting with Washington County, during which time he plotted the surface geology on the maps of the county. One of the surface layers often seen across South Fayetteville was, and still is, a thick shale layer, and he named it after the town of Fayetteville in 1891. But back to our story. The two students, Key and Morgan, knew that dime-sized ammonoid fossils were abundant in the area that they wanted to search, but they had also heard rumors of a three-foot-long nautiloid fossil. Now, nautiloid fossils themselves are not nearly so common as ammonoids, but if you were to find one, a three- to four-foot-long nautiloid wouldn't be too unusual. But really, who knew what they would find? Key and Morgan began digging around in the ditch in separate spots. Key noticed a hardened calcite formation in the flaky shale. She called Morgan over and they began carefully removing shale from what looked like a good-sized fossil. This was definitely no rinky-dink ammonoid. Soon they called another geology student, Jonathan Gillip, and the three of them spent the rest of the day hammering, chiseling, scraping, and cleaning away the unessential minerals and shale, eventually establishing the outline of what looked like a huge, straight-shelled nautiloid. As its size grew, they called one more person, their geology advisor, Professor Walt Manger. Manger later told a science writer that he was a little skeptical, or at least until he saw the excavation for himself. He told the writer, quote, these students knew exactly what they had. It may have been luck that brought them to it, but knowledge took over from there. They recognized what they'd found and were very conscientious about the excavation. Manger's initial skepticism made sense. The fossil that the students described to Manger was twice the length of the usual nautiloid fossil. It turned out to be a whopping eight feet long. It proved to be the longest actinoceratoid nautiloid ever found in the world. It belongs to an extinct species called Rhinoceros solidiform, which thrived in the shallow seas that covered the present-day Ozarks during the Mississippian area, or about 325 million years ago, give or take a few million. <laughs> Rhinoceros solidiform was a cephalopod related to the modern-day squid. And like today's squids, these ancient creatures would have mated, laid eggs within about three to four years, and then died. So normally, they didn't have time to grow beyond three or four feet long. But that brings us to our second story. The previous record holder for size was a nautiloid fossil that was also found by three U of A geology students. But this one was found in 1963. 
Two of them, Doy Zachary and Benjamin Clardy, were graduate students, and the third, Bruce Saunders, was an undergraduate. Just like Key, Morgan, and Gillip, the earlier trio spent several hours uncovering a symmetrical mound that eventually revealed a nautiloid fossil more than seven feet long. Zachary finished his master's degree in 1964, and he wrote his thesis about the lithology of the Fayetteville Black Shale. One of the questions he was curious about was the position of the nautiloid fossils within the strata. You see, it turns out that most of the nautiloid fossils weren't lying flatly parallel to the other rock strata, but were angled through the strata. Zachary wondered why that would be, and he posited that, perhaps after death, decomposition causes gases to form within one end of the shell making it slightly more buoyant and lifting it. But then he wondered, how fast would silt need to fill in around the nautiloid to hold the corpus of the nautiloid at an angle? Most previous theories about the formation of shale hypothesized that it would take a slower period of time. And Zachary's idea ran counter to that. Accumulation of materials around the shell, while it was tilted up, would have to happen more quickly. Zachary went on to earn his doctoral degree at the University of Texas and eventually returned to the University of Arkansas as a geology professor and eventually chair of the department. When Manger joined the faculty and heard about the 1963 nautiloid, another question nagged at him. Why did that outsized specimen exist at all? What caused that nautiloid to grow so much larger than what was usually found? Nothing that big had been found before. Manger hypothesized that the giant may have been rendered sterile by parasitic trematoids and was thus unable to reproduce. And as a result, it didn't die after three or four years, but kept growing into, as Manger put it, a pathological giant. That single fossil from 1963 is not a lot to hang your theory on, but the discovery by Key, Morgan, and Gillip bolstered Manger's hypothesis. At the time of the find, Manger told a writer, quote, When you only have one example to go on, you wonder. But the students have given us another example that fits perfectly with this hypothesis. While the similarity of those two giant fossils found 40 years apart provides evidence about the reproductive patterns of these prehistoric creatures, their differences also offer instruction. In modern nautiloids, males and females show a difference in the diameter of their apertures, the open end of the shell where the organisms reside. The two fossil giants show similar signs of gender difference, too. Even though the total length of the two fossils is within a foot of each other, the aperture of the 1963 fossil is wider than the 2003 fossil by nearly a third. Manger said at the time of the 2003 discovery, quote, We think we've just found a female. Determining the gender of prehistoric organisms is difficult because fossils are rarely found whole. But the specimen that Key, Morgan, and Gillip discovered is remarkably well-preserved, offering essential information about the creature's physical features and proportions. Today, that fossil of the pathologically gigantic nautiloid is part of the University of Arkansas Museum collection. Charlie Allison is the executive editor at University Relations at the University of Arkansas. And as the U of A observes its sesquicentennial, he's providing accounts of the people, events, and places of the school's first century and a half. You can find out more about the University of Arkansas sesquicentennial at 150.uark.edu. You can also find past audio essays from Charlie by looking through past shows at ozarksatlarge.com.